Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Listen, I'm glad to see you guys today. I believe that no matter what kind of day you had, it's going to get better. And I'm excited to talk to you about something that I think is very universal tonight. So I'm just going to jump right in. We're starting a new just two-part series. It'll be tonight and next week. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I know I blame everything on my Invisalign, but I feel like it's making me stutter the last few days. So if I do, don't worry about it like I just did. But tonight and next week, we're going to be doing a little short series called Calling for Contentment. All right, and this is coming out of my life to you guys, as it always does. These are the things God has uh, been walking me through the last few months, because if you haven't noticed, our world is just not very content, and I'm actually going to read some song lyrics to you tonight real quick that you'll probably recognize. This song came out in 2022, so it just came out this year, but it's amazing how relatable everyone thought this song was. It says this. I don't feel a single thing, have the pills done too much, haven't caught up with my friends in weeks, and now we're out of touch. I've been driving in LA, and the world, it feels too big, like a floating ball that's bound to break, snap my psych like a twig. Do you ever get a little bit tired of life, like you're not really happy, but you don't want to die, like you're hanging by a thread, but you got to survive, like your body's in the room, but you're not really there, like you have empathy inside you, but you don't really care. Like you're fresh out of love, but it's been in the air in my past repair. A little bit tired of trying to care when I don't, and a little bit quick to, sorry, a little bit tired of quick repairs to cope. A little bit tired of sinking, there's water in my boat, I'm barely breathing, trying to stay afloat. So I got these quick repairs to cope, guess I'm just broken and broke. The prescription's on its way with a name I can't pronounce, and the dose I gotta take, boy, I wish that I could count, cause I just wanna see if this could make me happy. I'm not trying to depress you guys tonight, but I learned that song or heard that song first on TikTok, probably like we all did, unless you were a fan of this gal I never heard of before. I don't know if she's famous or not. I just heard this song on TikTok. But every single video that I saw with this song, everyone was like, yeah, I feel that, right? I'm just a little bit tired. Like, I don't want to die, but I'm also not happy, right? I'm just trying to survive. Every day feels like I'm just getting through it. And I felt this way in the last few years. It kind of started with the pandemic, and then it seems like it never stopped. Like, the days are just passing, and I'm, you know, life's not bad, but it's not really good. If you're asking me, and I'm having a good time, like, ah, not really. I, I don't really have anything that's really wrong in my life, but I can't say that I'm super happy every day. You know, these kind of sentiments are things we've all been saying the last few years, and I felt this way uh, probably for the first, like, four months of this year, and that's why I'm bringing it to you guys tonight because I just was like, something's not right. Like, every day is passing, and I just don't really like my life, and nothing is that bad, but nothing's making me happy either, right? My prayer time wasn't that great. My time in the Bible wasn't exciting. Um, I love church, and I love coming to church, but even that just felt kind of, like, heavy and emotional because it felt like, well, we're supposed to be at church. We're supposed to be having a good time. This is my life. This is what I love to do, and it is, but then why was I going home? and I was feeling so empty and sad about things. And I want to encourage you tonight that there's hope. And if you feel that way about your life, it can change, okay? That is not the destiny that we're all doomed to. And God literally walked me through that just so kindly to where that changed so quickly for me. Just easy changes that he's helped me walk through totally turned my life in that area. And I'm 
hoping to be transparent with you so that you can understand. I think this feeling can happen to anyone, right? We can all just zone out on life a little bit and just feel like, I don't know what the point is. Like nothing really makes me happy. I'm just a little frustrated. So that's why this series is called Calling for Contentment. Contentment means this, a state of happiness and satisfaction. As a culture, we don't know how to be happy or satisfied. This is uh, somewhat unique, I think, to the Western world. I think it is probably worldwide to a level, but statistics show that we struggle the most with being happy and satisfied. And I want to say this to you. Let me read some compelling statistics, okay? Listen to, this is how we live, okay? This is our quality of life, which should be pretty good. The average size of the American home has nearly tripled in size over the past 50 years. So statistically, you live in a house that is three times as big as your family members 50 years ago. Your parents, right? Depending on their age. We could also see this. 3.1% of the world's children live in America, 3%, but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. So as a kid, chances are you had more toys than most children in the entire world. We can also see this. The average American woman owns 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. This gets interesting when you see that in 1930, they owned an average of nine. Nine outfits. How could I even, right? How could we? Reports indicate that we consume twice as many material goods today as we did 50 years ago. Americans spend more on shoes, jewelry, and watches, that is $100 billion annually, than on higher education. We care more about our clothes than our education. Americans spend $1.2 trillion annually on non-essential goods, in other words, things we don't need, so we all have a lot of extra money to spend. Forbes reports that compared with Americans in 1957, today we own twice as many cars, we eat out twice as often, and we enjoy endless other commodities that weren't around back then. Big screen TVs, microwave ovens, SUVs, handheld wireless devices, just to name a few. But why aren't we any happier? It was Forbes that asked that question. We also see there's a, a doctor, his name is David G. Myers. He said this, compared with their grandparents, today's young adults have grown up with much more affluence, that's wealth, slightly less happiness, and much greater risk of depression and assorted social, social pathology. Our becoming better off over the last four decades has not been accompanied by one iota of increased subjective well-being. That was a lot of statistics, and I'm sorry if I bored you, but my point is that all of us in this room today are wealthier, and we have more things, and bigger houses, and more cars, and more clothes, and more entertainment than any other generation, and we are statistically the most depressed and most anxious and diagnosed with the most mental problems. So what are we seeing here? All these things that we have don't make us happy. And all of you in the room are probably saying, yes, I have figured that out. I have $600 worth of shoes in my closet. I have three TVs. I have endless other things I could sit here and list off to you, but none of those things make me happy. But it kind of busts the myth of the American dream about working hard, getting the things you want, and then being happy, right? That's the end picture. A family standing in the yard with a white picket fence looking very happy. But I love this C.S. Lewis quote. I think we've heard it a couple times in church lately. It says this, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. And I know that every single one of you in this room can say, I know that these things don't make me happy. 
I think we know material things don't make us happy. But I do think sometimes we are thinking that if our situation would just change, then we'll be happy, right? Or if we just get to the next stage of life, then we'll be happy, right? I'm not happy living at home. I'm not happy in high school. So I'll really be happy when I can just go to college. I can move out. I can have a little freedom, right? Then you get there and you're not happy. So then you think, okay, well, I'll be happy when I'm done with school and then I can get married and then we can get a different house and then I'll be happy and I'll be content. I'll be satisfied. But then you get there. So then you think, well, you know, I think when I have kids and and when my husband gets a better job and when we're making more money, then I'll be happy and I'll be content. And we chase all of these stages of life only to arrive in disappointment when we finally get those things. There's interesting statistics that say, that Olympians who are medalists and go home after the Olympics fall into severe depression and experience purposelessness in their life. I don't think that's a word. Lack of purpose, okay? Lack of direction. Why? Because they worked so hard for something and they got it and it was done. It was gone in an instant. I experienced a small level of that with college. I was somebody uh, who looked forward to college. I liked school. I didn't look forward to it for like the fun reasons people usually do. <laughs> I just wanted to go to college. So I did. And I had a really tough time. I overloaded myself. I worked too much and I volunteered too much. I didn't sleep at all. So it was a, actually a really rough five years for me. <laughs> Not a good time. And when I finally finished, I thought like, oh, I'm going to be able to breathe again, right? That pressure will be off. I'll be done. I can check the box. I can relax. I can make more money. I can do this and that. And I finished, and it was like I had no idea what to do. I was so um, just aimless. I had felt like I had nothing to work for, right? I worked for that for five years, and then boom, you walk across the stage, and you're done. And that's how it'll be with high school too for you. So I promise we're going to get to an encouraging place with this, but I'm just trying to spell it out for you. We're all kind of chasing these things to try and make ourselves happy. But I want to say to you tonight, it's not your situation. It's not your surroundings. And it is not your stage of life that's making you discontent. I'm going to say it again. It's not your situation. It's not your surroundings. And it is not your stage of life that's making you discontent. I believe it's two things. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight and next week. It's your heart and your habits. Your situation is not making you discontent. It is your heart and it is your habits. So tonight we're going to talk about the habits part of that. The habits that you have that are maybe making you discontent and the habits we need to have that will bring contentment in our life. And if we look at Psalm 107.9, you uh, visual people, you don't have to freak out. I didn't send this one to you guys, so you didn't mess up or anything. I'll just read it real quickly. It says this, for he, talking about God, satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. And I love that it talks about your soul there because we all know that. We've lived long enough to know material things aren't where it's at. We want mental health, right? We want peace. We want to be happy. We want to be okay up here. We don't want to be depressed. We don't want to be anxious. Our souls are thirsty and they're hungry, but it says God satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with his goodness. So tonight I want to look at some things the Apostle Paul wrote, but before we read them, I want to remind you that he was writing these things from prison. He was in jail. So if you think your situation is bad, and it might be, I'm not discounting that, Paul was writing also from a bad place. He was also a church leader, I think, of his church. He had started all of these churches and then gets thrown in jail. (laughs) What would you do if your pastor was thrown in jail? 
pray for me, I wouldn't survive. I watched two days of 60 Days In, or excuse me, two episodes of 60 Days In, and it was too much for me, and I wasn't even there in real life. But really, think about it. What if a pastor you looked up to, right, a church leader, Dr. Jacobs, got thrown in jail? Shook. I'd be shook, right? We all would be shook. So Paul is writing to these churches from prison. He is in jail. And listen to what he says. We're going to start in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul's telling the church this, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. In verse 12, he says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So Paul is saying to them, hey, I know I'm in jail, but don't worry about me because I am what? Content. I have learned how to be content in every situation. And I want to tell you that that is so possible. Because at the beginning of this year, I was extremely frustrated. I was extremely unhappy. And I felt as though it's all because of my situation. I was like, if I could just get some things about this situation to change, I would be free. I would be happy. I would be fine. So a couple of months go by into this year and the situation isn't changing at all for me. So I'm getting increasingly frustrated because I'm like, you know, I can wait it out. It's going to change. It's going to change. I know God's going to help me. Like things are going to change. Well, it wasn't changing. And when I began to talk to God about it, he was interested in changing me rather than the situation. Now, the end of the story is that the situation did change because he gave me some instructions that weren't what I wanted to hear, and they weren't the easy choice, and they weren't the choice I wanted. But when I did them, the situation did change. <laughs> so it comes to a good ending. But... God said, I want to change you. You need to learn how to be content. He said, right now, you can't change your situation, but you can change yourself. You can be content in the situation you're in right now, which was not ideal and was, which, which was something that I, I wanted to change, man, with all my might. I'm talking like crying prayers. Do you guys ever do like the crying prayers? <laughs> yeah, same. I do the crying prayers too. It was crying prayers over these situations. And God said, listen, you need to be content. You need to walk in love. You need to stay with it. I said, okay. But the good news is things changed actually really quickly once I listened to his instruction. And I want to share with you tonight some things that Paul wrote and some things that God was helping me with leading up to those verses. So we know that um, the Bible, these, these letters right to the churches are letters. So originally they didn't have chapters and verses. This was one super long letter from their pen pal, Paul. So right there he's saying, listen, I'm fine, I'm good. I have learned to be content in every situation. But he shows us things in like the five verses prior that I believe are keys to doing that. So we're gonna look tonight in Philippians 4, and we're gonna take it slow, verses 4 through 9. I'm gonna go verse by verse and bring out things, and these are habits that bring contentment, if you're taking notes. Habits that bring contentment. And when I was practicing these, listen, nothing about my situation changed, and sometimes it got a little worse. Nothing about my situation changed. But number one is found in verse 4. It says this. He's writing to them saying, Always be full of joy in the Lord, I say it again, rejoice. So the first habit that will bring you contentment is to be full of joy. And I know that a lot of people are like, yes, I would like that, right? But I'm not happy. I would like to be joyful, but I'm not happy, right? I would like to be 
joyful, but this situation's really frustrating. I would like to be joyful, but I'm really depressed. I would like to be joyful, but I'm really angry. But Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And we see elsewhere in scripture that joy, number one, is what the Bible calls a fruit of the spirit. That means it is the result of spending time with God. So you know what I had to do? I needed joy, and I was already spending time with God, but I had to be really intentional about spending time with God. And listen, I had to get up earlier and do it earlier in the morning. I had to start my day, and I'm not saying everybody exactly has to do copy what I do, but for me, what this was, was to wake up when the house was quiet and it was just me, and really get with God to let him be my source of joy, right? I wasn't bringing joy to the table, or I wasn't saying like, oh, Morgan, just be happy. You can be happy. God loves you. No, I was going to God without joy and saying, God, I need joy. I'm showing up this morning and I'm asking you for joy. And I'm gonna get into your word and I'm gonna spend time in prayer and I'm gonna quote some verses about joy because I need it. And I'm gonna spend time in worship. And I believe when I leave this time with you, I will have joy because joy is the result of spending time with you. It is a fruit of the spirit. And you know what? It worked. My situation didn't have to change for me to be joyful. I just needed to go to God for it. I was looking to a situation to make me joyful and happy when I really just needed to go to God and take it. He is our provider, right? He is our father. That means he is there to give us what we need. Very literally and very practically. So that's what I began to do. I began to go to him every morning and seek joy. And I began to leave every morning that time with him with joy. So suddenly that situation I was frustrated about or the situations, they weren't frustrating me anymore, right? They weren't depressing me anymore because I was getting joy. And here's the thing about joy. Joy is a source of strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you're feeling weak and you're feeling tired, which that's all of us, right? That's our whole generation. If you ask how we are, man, I'm so tired. (laughs) I'm just so tired. I'm tired, right? We're all tired. Well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's the number one for me symptom of depression is just being tired. When I'm really depressed, I want to sleep 24-7. Now, don't worry about me because actually when I'm happy, I want to sleep a lot too. I'm just kind of a snoozer, okay? (laughs) So if you notice me sleeping a lot, don't worry about it. I can fall asleep in like five seconds everywhere, anywhere. It's one of my best traits, okay? So my body requires like a lot of sleep in general. I've been like that my whole life. But that's one of the things for me when I'm feeling depressed. I'm so tired. Even more than feeling sad for me, it's just feeling tired. I just want to just go to bed, you know? And when I began to seek God for this joy, all of a sudden I had strength. And I mean, in a really practical way, like I could make it through the day and I could make it through the evening and I could get done what I needed to get done because that joy was my strength. So if you're feeling tired and if you're feeling weak, be full of joy. Seek joy from God. Paul said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And those words do carry a lot of weight when you imagine him sitting in prison writing them, right? I imagine that would have been a very difficult place to be joyful, but be full of joy. The second thing I want to bring out, second um, habit that will bring contentment, is in verse 5. It says this, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So this is an interesting one because I thought, okay, like be considerate. That's interesting. What does that really mean? Considerate just means be careful not to cause inconvenience or hurt to others. 
What is something that we constantly see our generation doing? Tearing down other people, right? Hurting other people. Isn't that remarkable that Paul would say this? Hey, be considerate of others. Don't bring hurt to other people. And I am not accusing you guys of doing that intentionally. Um, but there, in the situation I was frustrated in, there were some ways where I, I wasn't being considerate to others. I was trying to maybe hurt them back where they had hurt me, right? Or <laughs> if I was trying to walk in love and then they weren't walking in love or whatever, then I was like, fine, two can play this game. That's fine. <laughs> I don't have to walk in love. That's fine, <laughs> right? No, the Bible says be considerate of others. But you know who is the most miserable when they're angry? You. If I stand here and I get mad at you, you know who it's going to be worse for? It's going to be worse for me. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be grouchy. I'm going to let that eat me up. I'm going to think about it all night. I'm going to wake up angry about it tomorrow. Like, I have just truly learned that not only forgiveness, God showed me that a couple years ago. Hey, forgiveness is going to set you free. But really just walking in love brings so much peace. I just don't want to let people get me riled up because that just ruins my day, Right? I'm not going to let you ruin my day. I care about my life too much to not just walk in love. Because although sometimes it feels like a struggle to do that, once it's a habit, it's so much easier. I have so much more joy and so much more contentment when I'm not sitting here stewing over everything that everybody did today to me that wasn't right, right? Paul said, be considerate of others. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. And I know this seems just maybe like an off-the-wall point, but you guys know we, we don't live in a world that's very kind. We just don't, right? People are rude. People are mean. People are hurting. So I know that sometimes that's why they're rude and mean. But even still, we're just not living in a world that's kind. But John 13, 35 says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Of all people on this planet, we in the church should be considerate and we should be loving to other people. And one thing I've noticed is that Christians are typically good at one of two things. They're good at loving people in the church or they're good at loving people in the world. But not often are they good at doing both, right? There's the religious people who don't like people who are in sin and who have all kinds of stuff about to say, you know, to say about the world going to hell and the president that they didn't want and just all this stuff going on and on on Facebook about people who are in sin and, and living wrong, right? People who are outside the church, but they love people in the church, right? But then there's a whole nother group of people who are constantly just bashing the church on Facebook, right? Can't stand Christians, can't stand the church, can't stand the Bible, can't stand this. Where's the love? Where's the acceptance? Where is the consideration? You know, all this stuff. Those people are both wrong on both sides. We are to love one another. I am to love people in the church and I am to love people outside the church. I shouldn't treat you any better than I treat somebody on the street that I don't know, but I also shouldn't treat a homeless man any better than I would treat you, right? You're my family. We are to love equally within the church and outside of the church. Be considerate of others. The next habit I want to look at is in verse six. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So that first verse says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So that's my next habit that will bring contentment, I promise. Don't worry about anything. Instead, 
pray about everything. And in the situations I'm talking about tonight that were giving me a hard time for the first part of this year, I worried about those a lot, right? They were on my mind all the time. And what I did honestly was prayed about them some and worried about them some. (laughs) Prayed about them in the morning, worried about them in the afternoon, right? Prayed about them at night, worried about them at 3 a.m. when I woke up, right? All these things. I did a little bit of both, but the Bible says don't worry about anything and instead pray about everything. And that was one thing God showed me. Hey, you're worrying about this and it's not changing a thing. You're thinking about it at 3 a.m. and it's not getting better. You're just sleeping worse, right? You are thinking about these things all day long, trying to think of what you can do to fix them, but everything you try to do is not fixing them. So why don't you just pray about it? And you know what I did? I began to pray about it, (laughs) not just in the morning and not just at night, but also at 3 a.m. or sometimes at 3 p.m. when I was, uh, you know, upset at work about it or at noon when I was on my lunch break or whenever I just needed to hop in the bathroom at work and pray a little prayer out loud and ask God for peace about it. I started to do that all day. Rather than worry about it, I began to pray about it. And you know what? Prayer didn't immediately change that situation, but the prayer immediately changed me. And I stopped worrying about it. The situation didn't immediately change, but my attitude in my heart immediately changed and peace came so that I didn't have to be worried anymore. That brought me such contentment and taught me such a valuable lesson that with anything that I can't control in life, any situation that's difficult or that's surprising or that I didn't see coming, I can still have peace and contentment. It does not have to make me unhappy with my life. I can pray about it so I don't have to worry about it. I can just let it go. And if you had asked me, do I know that? Yes, I knew that in my mind. But this was one of the biggest situations that I practiced it in my life and literally just felt that peace come. Like all of a sudden I can sleep better at night when I haven't slept well in weeks. Physical, literal, tangible peace came on me. And it's because I was choosing to pray about everything instead of worry. And I want to say to you guys, your prayers can be sloppy and your prayers can be short. Your prayers can be really quick. (laughs) They can be like three words. Like I'm telling you guys, I pray about things at work and I pray on my lunch break and I pray around other people and I pray in the car. And it's not that I'm just stopping all the time, closing my eyes and raising my hands, but it is that I'm stopping internally and just saying something quick to God about it. Okay, God, I'm casting that care on you. I believe you're gonna take care of it. Father, thank you for giving me peace about this situation. Father, thank you that I walk in love and joy and peace and that I treat people with the same love you've treated me with. You know, just quick little things like that. And those prayers not only affected my heart, but my mind as well. They changed my mind. And that leads me into the next point, which is in verse eight. Says this, now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So my fourth habit is to fix your thoughts on the right things. Fix your thoughts on the right things. Prayer helped me a lot with this. I, you probably have caught on. I tend to pray out loud or like at least under my breath. Or if I got to say something and I'm in a situation where I can't, I'll hop into the bathroom and say it real quick. I don't care. Prayer, saying those things out loud, quoting the word of God out loud. I pray the word of God a lot. I pray God's word back to him. Say those scriptures out loud. That not only did something to my heart, but it changed my mind. It put my thoughts on the right things. Paul is saying, listen, if you want to be content, you're going to have to be able to control your thoughts and think about the right things. And too many people, Christians included, just act like their brain is just out of control and they can't stop it. And I have felt that way. And there are times where it's 
felt like that has been true in my life, but the word of God is true. That's what I look at to tell me what the truth is. So even in those times where it feels as though your mind is out of control, the Bible says, hey, you can fix your thoughts on the right things, and that is the truth. And the way that you do that is by opening your mouth and speaking. That was one of the best things Dr. Jacobs ever taught to us. You do not fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. The Bible tells us our words have power, and nobody listens to your words more than you. Your brain, your body, your soul, your heart, God made all of those things to be under your authority and your control so they will listen to you, but you have to speak. And this was something I slept on for years because it felt kind of weird when I was growing up to just be like speaking things, right? Now affirmations are cool, okay? When I was growing up, no one was talking about affirmations. No one was saying, look in the mirror and say good things to yourself in the morning. No one was doing this, okay? It wasn't cool back then. So I... I just, I just didn't do it a lot. I don't know why, really. I just didn't. And so it was remarkable when I began to do it. I was like, wow, something about this really works. Well, that's because God created my body and my mind to listen to me. So in order to fix your thoughts on the right things, you will have to speak to them. And if you're feeling hopeless and aimless, I've been at times in my life where I needed to say things like this. God, I know that you have a plan for me. You have a purpose for me. It's a good plan and a good purpose. It's something that I'll love. It's something that will satisfy me and bring me fulfillment and bring me contentment. And I thank you for showing me your plan. I thank you for helping me walk in your plan. I want to be a part of your plan. And I was saying all those things when I felt like my life was pretty pointless. I didn't feel super called I wasn't excited about God's plan. I wasn't knowing what my next steps were. But when I spoke those things out of my mouth, my heart began to believe them. And that's how you get the truth that God has spoken out of just your Bible and really into your life. You've got to speak it. Fix your thoughts on the right things. This works for any kind of thoughts. Thoughts of rage. Thoughts of anger, thoughts of lust, thoughts of darkness and depression and suicide. You've got to open your mouth and speak. Take account of your thoughts. They don't control you. They will try to feel like they do. They will be very loud. They can be very strong. They can come really rapidly. They can show up at 4 a.m. I get it. But you can take control of your thoughts. God has given you that authority. And that is such a blessing, man. Like I said, I just did not, um, I didn't practice that in my life the way I should when I was younger. And it took me until I got a little older to really realize the power that my words have over myself, not just over like vague situations or, you know, I'm speaking blessing over you or whatever, rebuking this, cursing this, binding this. There's all of that too. But it's like, no, this really does something in my life, in my mind and in my heart when I start to speak things these things. So take account of your thoughts, speak to your thoughts, and you will be able to control your thoughts. And that is a key to contentment. What do we do when we're unhappy? We just sit and we think about unhappy we are, right? What do we do when something is bugging us? We sit and we think about how much it's bugging us, right? Man, I don't want to go home today because I know my parents are just going to be like fighting. The vibe's going to be weird. I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to go to school tomorrow because of this. I don't feel like going to work tomorrow because of that. 
I don't want to go home today because of this. Oh, I can't wait till it's the weekend, but now the weekend sucks. So now I just can't wait to go back to work on Monday, but now it's Tuesday and work sucks too. And so I'm just waiting for the weekend again. We just sit there and think these things over and over and over. And it is a mood killer. It's a vibe killer. Your brain and your thoughts can completely transform the way that you feel in the negative, but also in the positive, which is really powerful. Nothing changed about my situation, but my words and my thoughts. And suddenly I had peace and I was able to tell God, God, I don't care if this situation ever changes. I'm committed to your plan. And that's all that matters. And I meant it. And I've prayed that prayer at times when I was trying to mean it, but didn't fully because <laughs> I was like, ah, but I kind of want to get out. I don't like this, you know, but because I spoke to myself and because I got joy and I stopped worrying and I started praying, then that prayer was really real. You know what, God, it's okay. If this situation never changes, if these things never change, if this doesn't ever get better, that's okay because I'm here to do what you've called me to do and that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to have joy and peace and contentment in doing that. And it was such a powerful shift in my life and it made every day better. And the last thing I want to look at with you is out of verse 9 tonight. It says this, Paul It's kind of wrapping up these handful of things. He says this next. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. So the fifth and final habit for contentment tonight I want to give you is to do what you know to do. I've heard this phrase on several podcasts lately and it's so powerful. It's not what you do occasionally that brings results. It's what you do consistently. And I think this is such a big problem, not just for people in your age group, but literally for the entire church. We have got to do what we know to do, and we have to do it consistently if we want it to work for us. Prayer once a week is not going to do much for you at all. Worship once a week is not going to do much for you at all. One Bible verse a week is not going to do much for you at all. Now, one Bible verse every day will do a lot. So I'm not saying you have to read 17 chapters or anything crazy. But hearing one verse on Sunday morning will do almost nothing in your life except maybe make you feel good for the one hour that you're in a church service, right? Do what you know to do. There's a reason that God has set up basic Christian principles. It's because they work. Things that we've heard a million times, like read your Bible every day. Why? Because it works. Spend time in prayer every day. Why? Because it works. Spend time in worship every day. Why? Because it works. Watch what you're putting in your eyes and in your ears. Why? Because it matters and it brings results in your life for the good or for the bad. Do what you know to do. And I've told you guys this before, but my whole life changed when I was like 19 or 20 and I just finally decided I was going to do what I knew to do. Let me try it. (laughs) I haven't been doing a good job, but let me see if I really do this consistently. Will it work? And sure enough, it did. Duh. (laughs) But it's because I actually did it. What you do occasionally, it's not what you do occasionally that brings results, but it's what you do consistently. So have an honest conversation with yourself. What are you doing consistently? Are you worrying consistently? Are you watching depressing things on Netflix consistently? Are you reading your Bible consistently, right? Are you um, trash-talking people consistently? Are you watching things online that you shouldn't consistently? Are you spending time in worship consistently? Whatever you're doing consistently is the reason your life is the way that it is. So if you want your life to be different, it totally can be. It just takes a little consistence. And God is so gracious. When I started, I couldn't pray for more than like five minutes, 
Literally, I would just zone out and stop praying and then be like, oh, I was supposed to be praying, you know? It was like that. So if you were like that, I felt like that, right? I couldn't make it through a chapter of the Bible. I, you know, I could, but I was like, Meh. I didn't get anything out of that, right? I would listen to like a little worship, but then I just wanted to go back to the radio or whatever. I understand it comes in like chunks, but literally when I started just to give God those little bits every day as much as I could, everything began to change. He doesn't require you to read 17 chapters and spend three hours in prayer. It's not like that. Just be consistent with what you give him. And for me, it's really easiest to do that in the mornings. You don't have to be a morning person. We're going to talk about this more next week, but there is value in turning your heart toward God in the morning. And starting your day with him. Because sometimes if you wait until 4 p.m., it's just too late. Half your day's over. It's already been a disaster. And for you to try to turn it around and spend some time in prayer, God will be there to help you. But when you've bogged yourself down with everything else all day, it's a little harder to turn that ship around. And we'll talk more about that next week when we're talking about our heart. But it's not your surroundings or your situation that's making you discontent. It's your habits and your heart. So tonight... I listed out these habits for you that we saw Paul list for us. Be full of joy. Be considerate of others. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Fix your thoughts on the right thing and do what you know to do. And just as I started with the song, I'm actually going to end with some song lyrics too because I think the theme of this song is just contentment. It says this. You'll know this song too. Jaira means God our provider. You are enough. And I will be content in every circumstance because you are Jaira and you are enough. You're forever enough. You're always enough. You're more than enough. This was the conclusion I had to come to. God, if nothing changes in my life ever at all, and it's just exactly as it is till the day that I die, you're still enough, always enough, and more than enough. It's okay. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine. And that is enough. And that is what God brought me back to. And of course, I knew that. And I knew God was everything I needed. And I, I believed that to a level. But I was still just grasping at situations and looking at other things to bring me joy and bring me contentment. And what brought me contentment and brought me happiness every day was really saying, God, you are enough. And I mean that really literally. If I never have anything else in life and if nothing ever changes, this is enough. This time at 5 a.m. with you and me, that's enough. That's all I need. That's what I need to be content. And I'm not just saying that in an inspirational way, but God really made that true in my life. So I hope this has been encouraging to you tonight. We were talking about our habits for being content, but next week we're going to talk about our heart and how we turn our heart and move our heart into a place of contentment. So I'll pray for you guys before we close tonight. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 